Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC To see the creep of the week That Bobby Donald defends But I'm out of practice With your hosts, Keith Barney Still here for you. How much drama can Indeglio endure in 48 hours? Plenty. Oh, oh, (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas, everyone. We still suck. Welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, working week by week through David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are talking about season three, episode 10, Love and Honor. We have now passed the Christmas holiday. If you celebrate it, we are both back from visits from our families. How'd it go? You know, same same crap, different holiday. It's all the same. So it went great. Yeah, is what yeah. it went par for the course. Is all I'll, I'll say. But Keith, we are only eight weeks from our one year anniversary. Are we really? Uh, ish. Wow. Ish. All right. Well, okay. Well, I'll talk more about your trip off air because that sounds interesting. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> but you know, the highlight of the drama, I'll just say, um, yeah. in the event that my family ever listens to this, which is low, which is a low bar to entry. Uh, was the the benefit of it was that we got to leave Christmas night. So I got to come back and spend a little bit of Christmas in my own house, which is kind of nice. Oh, oh shit. Okay. So you had some, <clears throat> you really did have some drama. Okay. Well, we had always planned, we'll talk- we had always planned on coming home uh, early on the 26th because Jen had two shows. We just, we just, right. We just moved sure, it up sure. a few hours. Okay. All right. We'll talk more about that off air. Got. So I had a great time, but uh, I brought a little souvenir home. You have to, you have to look at the camera so you can see it. A little little souvenir. Oh, what we're looking at is Keith's arm in a state of bruised disrepair. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you can see uh, me falling down and crushing my elbow on the ice. So our we had a great time. The pond was frozen. It looked great. Um, up in up in Vermont, it was great. And then, of course, so we were skating. We're playing hockey. We have my uh, six year old nephew who we've heard of on the show, and we decide to take one of the uh, snow tubes with a rope on it and spin him around, skating around the ice. Then we got tired, so my father brought out the ATV and spun us around uh, with a long rope doing donuts in the uh, the snow snow tube and this was hilarious and fun and i decided oh let me let me film this skating around in the opposite direction of the snow tube of course wiped out Yeesh. and thought i 
it was like 50-50 I've broken my elbow. But I do not believe it is broken, so... <laughs> do you remember the days when you could probably play hockey all day, get the literal crap beat out of you, and then wake up the next morning with no ill effects? Oh, yeah. Uh, I do. And I did all of those things minus the ill effects. I have some ill effects. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> like the bruise goes halfway up my forearm and then almost... <laughs> I've, I've oh, just been horrible. putting so much food into my body that I know I've, I haven't been hungry in days. However, I keep putting more calories into my body. I can't stop. I won't stop. It's gotten to the point now where I am a small statured person. So I like to sit Indian style quite often. Can you say that anymore? Crisscross applesauce? How about that? Okay, fair. I want to be culturally appropriate. So I sit crisscross applesauce quite frequently. Now, in fact, I'm doing so. But what I've noticed is happening uh, since the holidays, the holiday gorge fest has continued. My mm, feet mm. keep falling asleep. I think because of all the extra fat that is now on my legs. and in Ah, because my... uh, you've got like belly to ankle. That's what I have sometimes. Yes, that's what I'm, I'm reaching that point. So, uh, yeah, somebody send help and some vegetables soon. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> Everyone calm down. You don't want Bankle. All right. So, Wait. before we get too far into this, I have a big announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, sit down, crank up the decibels on your podcast listening service of choice, and listen to this. Yes. So, uh, a while ago, or the, in the last year or so, I decided that I was... Uh, sitting on a whole bunch of music that I'd written that didn't uh, wasn't attached to any sort of a show or a musical or, or I didn't have a purpose for it. But there were all these standalone songs um, that were like, you know, just about my life and that kind of stuff. And I realized I'd been languishing on my bookshelf forever and they were going to languish on my bookshelf forever uh, unless I found something to do with them. So I, uh, I hopped onto my Pro Tools. I downloaded uh, every VST I could come up with. And I built myself an album, an album which has now dropped. It is now available on every uh, digital music service you can possibly find. On uh, It's on iTunes and Amazon and Google and Spotify and all that jazz. So if you would like to hear the nonsense I had kicking around on my bookshelf, look for it. The album is called Momentum. So Keith Varney, Momentum, check it out. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd appreciate it. I'd, I'd, I, my goal is to have 10 people have listened to any of my music. <laughs> well, we'll help that. We know there's a, there's, a, there's a few at least that listen to the podcast, so why don't we drop one of the tracks at the end of this episode as a little teaser, as they say. Okay. Maybe the, maybe yeah, the, maybe yeah. the holiday one that closes the album. Oh, that's true. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I will, we will, we'll throw the uh, my little. It's the only comedy tune on there. So don't, everyone's gonna expect like the whole album is a bunch of comedy songs. There's only one comedy song. It's at the very end. It's the uh, the Christmas one, but it seems appropriate. So we'll we'll drop that at yes, the end of the episode. Yes, as a, I guess you could call me an advanced reviewer. I took a listen to the album. I can assure you that the tone of the Christmas song you'll hear at the close of this episode uh, is is nowhere near the tone of the album. The album is a little bit more uh, <laughs> introspective, we'll say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like serious. Well, you know what it is? So much of my life and career is about uh, taking all of my pain and anxiety and making it funny. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and this is just before I've translated it into funny. Uh, actually, this correlates to what I was, was saying earlier about uh, getting fat. So the second track of the album is called Spark in Your Eyes of Keith's album. Uh, Which you've played? You played out I, with me I once did. on that. I did. We played that live one time. And as I was listening to some of the tracks in the car or driving home from Christmas, I was playing them for my wife. She obviously she said that sounds familiar. This song, and I said, "Oh, I've probably played you the video of Keith and I performing it live, which was eight years ago, by the way." Jesus Lord! And so I pulled it up on YouTube real quick just to verify that that's where she had heard it because it was bugging me. Yeah, Keith, we were so skinny at that point. Oh my the, god! The right? two of us. You ha- just pull that video up just to recognize just how far we've fallen. <laughs> Oh, I, I know I hate myself enough. Yeah, it was eight years and 80 pounds. Yeah, it combined maybe a buck 20. It, we are skinny. I'm wearing this purple shirt that I is still in my closet for some reason, and I don't know that I could get my cat in it. Oh, my God. No, I, I it's, it is so ridiculous. I, if I tried to wear that jacket, I'd be fat guy in a little coat, <laughs> like a thousand percent. Yeah, so uh, the the next album, which is mostly written, will actually be tunes that aren't eight years old. <laughs> like this one. I'm looking forward to that. As I said, I, I'm happy to. You're going to play on the next on one. It, yes, but speaking of people listening, it turns yes. out our devoted listeners are listening and responding. We begged, we pleaded for you to reach out and tell us that you hear us, that we're not screaming into the void. And darned if you didn't come through with some holiday zest to let us know that we are loved. You sure did. And uh, in fact, we got so many uh, new jury members that we're going to split them up and we're just going to read one a week in order that they came in. So if you left us reviews and you're like, why haven't they read them? It's coming next week. Don't worry. I promise we'll get to you. And in the meantime, let's start with... Mr. Foreman, the jury has reached its verdict. Madam Foreperson, has the jury reached a verdict? Welcome to the jury! What say you? Our jury member this week is our new friend, Perry Marcus, who led, left us, I thought, incredibly thoughtful and helpful review. And we're going to break it down right here, right now. Perry Marcus says analysis and humor for a throwback series. Here's what he gets. Here's what he says. I love the humor, especially when poking fun at the practice tropes, how the jury is always back early, yet they're always surprised. What does it mean? The police detective who investigates every single crime, etc. Personally, I like how Helen is supposed to be this formidable DA. They're always chagrined to face, yet have no problem routinely mopping the floor with. Or how they're always like, Helen Gamble? She's your best friend. Is <laughs> She's your best friend. Is the last name really necessary? And since when do lawyers have such carte blanche at crime scenes? Also, in every episode, there will be at least one time where people are yelling at each other and an exasperated third party intervenes. All right. That is one of my number one pet peeves. I completely agree. And here is the... Here's where he gets into some analysis of us, which I think is very helpful. I mean, it's healthy, What's but the word? it makes me nervous. It... <laughs> be brave. Just keep breathing. We're going to be fine. What's the word limit on reviews? Yikes. Some constructive criticism. 
Personally, I dial back the sound effects and stoppages to give the characters <laughs> credits. Guy interrupting the review! People shoving so much sound effect in just so that you like us and laugh! <laughs> Sometimes we'll be in the middle of a good scene or review, and it gets repeatedly interrupted with multiple who's that character inserts and or several bumper effects. In my humble opinions, in the right spots, that stuff works, but too many interruptions chops up the flow of the episode. Would you consider a segment dedicated to that kind of a thing? Just a thought. Fair point. In fact, I I think I agree, and I think what I'm going to aspire to do is either before or after each of the scenes, we will introduce all of our guests so that we are not uh, playing jingles throughout the scene. We absolutely reserve the right to interrupt with our nonsense, but we'll keep the jingles at the beginning and ending of scenes. I think that's fair. I think while we're setting expectations and what we aspire to, the things we don't want to kill is uh, to do it too early, obviously, potentially, quote unquote, is spoilery, right? If we if a great guest star is coming up and we announce it beforehand too early, that could ruin it for me, let's say. If I'm, yeah. And if we do it after the fact, you know, you might leave people with, well, who the hell was that talking? So there is a challenge there, but let's do better. Let's aspire. It, we'll, we, will, we will try to be best. But as you said, as we can't bow to too much criticism, I reserve the right to talk as long and about as whatever I want at any given point. This is my goddamn <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and we're not being paid. <laughs> no, that is actually one of the best reviews I think we've gotten. I think No, it's so it's it's so helpful. And it, it, it keeps going, but we 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 should keep the episode under uh six hours. Under three hours. Uh but he, he just also he he quickly says that he likes uh more discussion as it pertains to the scene breakdowns, analysis of legal strategies, relevant case law, etc my own bias as I love that stuff. Well, a better podcast would get more into the law. We're just going to wildly speculate based on no information. That's going to be our plan. <laughs> yes, we will thread the needle between actual legal analysis and wild speculation and culturally inappropriate humor. Indeed, but he finishes with overall, though I love uh overall though I love stumbling upon a great new podcast, and this is one of them. Keep up the good work, fellas. Sorry for the long review. No sorries. We very, very much appreciate it. Well, before, before I say I appreciate it, let's get down to the nitty gritty. How many stars did he yeah. leave? He gave us all five stars. Hell yeah, thanks for the criticism. <laughs> so if he gave us four stars, he'd be like, fuck you. I'd be like, well, how dare you, sir? How dare you, sir? Make very valid critical points. All right. Well, thank you, Perry Marcus. Welcome to the jury. Uh, our other jury members who came in, our new friends, Rich, and our old friends, Leanne, we're going to get to it. Don't you worry. Okay. L moving on, let's talk about the... Uh, what's next? The Stay in the Basement is next. Okay. So we are... <laughs> What episode are we on? Do you think? Like fifty something? I still don't know what the run, the uh, the rundown is. All right, so we are talking about December thirteenth, nineteen ninety eight, 
It was a uh, beautiful day on the run up to the holidays, and it brings us to our favorite question. Mike, what were you doing? This day in the basement. As I've said before, this was that last, one of the last magical Christmases of the, I'll say, phase one of my life. Uh, A few years from this point, my dad's going to (laughs) die. Sorry to bring it down. And Jesus, spoiler spoiler alert. Christmas has changed a little bit. However... This was one of the last great ones, or I should say nuclei ones, where my whole family was together at our house we grew up in. And my brother would have been coming home from Christmas, from college around this time, from Penn State, spending the week leading up to Christmas together and doing all kinds of nonsense. So as I don't have a more specific memory, as sometimes I do, I just would say that this is when my brother should be coming home from college. We should be wrapping up high school classes and gathering at the old house in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, uh, that my fi- my 10th grade physics teacher actually owns now, interestingly. Oh, that is interesting. Interesting to no one. So, I'm sure to you yeah, and to, to me. him. So that was that. We, we liked to, you know, drive around and look at the lights and just be Christmassy. I've always loved Christmas. I've loved the Christmas spirit. And so we were trying to get into it back in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, back in 1998. Well, that's lovely. Let's throw on our ice skates and go on up to Vermont and find out what was going on here. Up to Vermont. Yeah, no. So, I don't know. If you uh, have listened to every episode, you'll know that starting this previous year, I began my decade-long tradition of cop-out Christmas, in which I would, instead of giving people thoughtful gifts that I put lots of personal attention to, and invested my own money in, I recorded an album for everybody. Not a, <laughs> No, I want to differentiate <laughs> between these shitty Christmas albums that I did lazily at home to the shitty non-Christmas album I did lazily at home that I just released. Momentum, available on everywhere. You, down, you get digital music. Anyway, so this year was the first official Christmas cop-out album, and what I did was I allowed my father to select some of his favorite theater tunes, and I recorded them, uh, and uh, they were terrible. I I literally listened through trying to find anything I could play on the podcast this week, and there's only one thing I could find, mainly because I'm so buried in this, but uh, you know the song Gethsemane from Jesus Christ Superstar, oh, yes? yes, I do. So perfect. So uh, I did a terrible version of it, a terrible 18-year-old version of it. Uh, but my older brother, who is truly the musical genius in the family, um, decided to take that track and rearrange it as a hardcore tune. And so, and then so he like basically did it a completely new arrangements, played all the instruments, and built this. And then put your vocals in? And put my vocals in. So hardcore, right? Here's the big note. He fades me all the way out. I don't even know who's singing on this. 
And so he layered his own scream on top of my note. It was that dude is the most talented musician I think I'll ever come across in my life. Wow. Wow. That I we've we've I feel like we've invited some Satanism into the podcast this week. That really <laughs> that really got dark. It, usually we're more subtle. <laughs> well, after last week, that that crazy bitch. <laughs> the crazy bit you cut. Oh no, not the bit. I always said that crazy bitch, the uh the the god the god fearing lady who said God's gonna save her after she shook the baby to death. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> oh yeah, the Nazi oh, segment. Right. We cut the Nazi segment. <laughs> we did cut. <laughs> Somebody was afraid. Okay, anyway, let's talk about this day in the world. So again, I mentioned it's December twelfth, nineteen ninety-eight. The top song continued troublingly to be no to Celine Dion and R. Kelly singing "I'm Your Angel." Uh, also, a little piece of serendipity, the cover of the Burlington Free Press, the headline was fourth article passed, the impeachment panel passes the vote, which of course was exactly what just happened in the House, uh, sending articles of impeachment to the Senate, and uh, so Clinton was formally impeached on December 19th, 1998, and our dear leader was impeached December 18th, 2019. So one day apart. Thanks, R. Kelly. No, no thanks, and R. Kelly. Top, no, you don't get any thanks. Yeah, no thanks. The number one movie is a really important and exciting movie to me. So I'm going to even turn off R. Kelly so we can talk about it. Because the top movie was Star Trek Insurrection. Very, very exciting. Which one was uh, that? Was the that was it, it was kind of the boring one where they were trying to move this uh, this species of people who lived forever off of a planet and had F. Murray Abraham as the bad guy, mm, as always. And uh, but my uh, my brother and my uncle both worked on that movie, and. Uh, yeah, and it was a little crazy at the end because they reshot the ending to add a, an action sequence and give a chance to show off Patrick Stewart's muscles. That's pretty rad. Yeah, no. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, went to go see that. That was super fun. Uh, but I think I saw that a couple weeks later when I went back to Vermont and we all watched it together. So that brings us to our next irrelevant segment. Sports ball. Oh, oh God! I haven't plugged the cable in. Oh boy! Oh God! Uh, That's gonna sh- now. You know, now someone's gonna put that in a review, Keith. <laughs> Get your cues together, you idiots! Well, look, we're back from uh, our Christmas holidays. We're a little fat, a little hungover. I have uh, this is my one day before I head from Vermont to New York, down to Cape May to visit the other half of the family. It's something. All right, sports ball. The Giants pulled out a stirring and underdog victory against the 10-1 Broncos. Can Graham hit a money tumor in the end zone with less than a minute remaining to secure the win? This narrator remembers this game fondly. The Eagles fell to 3-11 to the Arizona Cardinals. Adrian Morrell rushed for 174 yards for the Cardinals, and Deuce Staley rushed for 141 for the Eagles. Very famous game, the uh, Giants beating the Broncos. 
They were they were undefeated at that point, and we were terrible. Okay, so let's talk about the episode. This is season three, episode ten, "Love and Honor." It was written by David E. Kelly and directed by Arvin Brown, who had previously directed "Another Day." Which brings us to everyone's favorite question. What the hell's been going on? You're changing it up, Keith. What? <laughs> well, you can't change the jingle. Oh, I'm changing it up because... You changed the jingle, you changed mics? The truth of... What's the going on? The truth of the matter is... It's... Uh, uh, these wild guesses, it, it's just not fun anymore. So... <laughs> I think what's more practical is okay. to, since I get to watch the recaps, the previously on the practice, it's best that I force myself to pay attention to the episodes so that previous to the next episode, I can explain to our lost listeners, or perhaps those listeners who've decided to jump ahead, just... And if you're a listener to this podcast, chances are you're you're probably lost. Yeah, Chances are good that you need In you need way. to get up to speed a little bit. So I am here to tell you what the hell's been going on. That's pretty. Thanks, man. I thought I would I like really it. get those pipes warmed up this morning. So it's Christmas time on the practice. We have Lucy, the office manager, who's really getting everyone into the Christmas spirit. Yes. And it's necessary because tensions have been high. Bobby recently has been pursuing Lindsay to rejoin a relationship, but she is not interested. She thinks their their relationship should stay professional, even though clearly the sexual tension is at an all-time high. Everyone else has been a little bit snippy. Jimmy's a little butthurt because he is not a, a, a partner, and he has been being, let's, let's just say... Uh, ridiculed at the office as he is first chairing the uh, Tommy Silva case as the practice is being sued for their use of the Plan B. Mm -hmm. Tony Danza has been lurking throughout the past three, four episodes, just sitting in the in the wings, waiting for his moment to shine, like a shark. And so this week, if I'm not mistaken, Tony Silva. And the pra- and the firm are going to go head to head in battle to decide whether the the use of Plan B has been should be aborted, if you will, or if the, if <laughs> if they will be held accountable uh, for for their actions, and that will be led by by Jimmy. It's time for Jimmy to show us what he's got. Will he be the buffoon that he's been portrayed as the past few weeks, or will he rise and and defend us? proudly okay here we go after this ad maybe The Practice, Season 3, Episode 10, Love and Honor. Maybe. 
Lucy, who authorized a Christmas party? Oh, that'd be me. That would be you? And are you paying for it? Funny. Lucy! Oh, come on, Eleanor. You look like a party girl. Lindsay, Bobby, and Eugene act like they've never been to one. What? Did you know we were having an office Christmas party? Oh, come on. It's not like we have to invite any clients. They're all in jail. Can I turn wow. in my partnership for her job? Shots fired. Okay, we said like pretty much now it's a tradition of the episode is we begin with Lucy okay, insulting Eugene, everyone. Eleanor, we went through this. I'll say it one more time. You don't defend what you did to the brother. You just describe it as a necessary evil. Nobody's righteous. Nobody's arrogant. Nobody's looking like it's his big inconvenience getting sued either. We know what we did to the kid. Our hearts go out. You all clear? Yep. Nobody says that word qualified immunity. We're not relying on legal jingles. One Wait last a minute. Thing. Legal jingles? I know none of you crazy We've got a few of those here. In fact, we were told to do less of them. <laughs> so it's a, it's appropriate that Jimmy's starting the episode with one. But you know, I, it's such a great Jimmyism mm-hmm. by saying legal jingles when he means li- lingual. Oh Jesus Lord! Legal jargon. <laughs> he means legal jargon. But <laughs> Jimmy Jimmy uses malpropisms and he forgets the word. I just can't get words out of my fumble You're mouth. You're able to say malpropism, but you also said lingual because jingle was a bit too far of an, uh, a stretch for you. Oh, there it is. This chair. But nobody ever, ever whispers or makes faces or does anything to make the jury think you doubt me. Like you all say, my credibility has to count in the end. And as we've agreed as a team, he is the best qualified to go up against Tony because he's the grunt. He thinks he can out totally. simple man or out man on the street, Tony Danza. Yeah, absolutely. And this is this is Jimmy giving good advice. Like, it seems like he's got a pretty good plan here. And let's not forget that the firm as a whole, all of the partners, well, not all of them, but the majority of partners, but Bobby gets two votes, remember, and every one of the people they consulted with said that they should settle. Right. And Tony was trying to get them to settle for just the top of what their insurance would allow. So he wasn't trying to bring them down. You know, he was just trying to 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 be a, right. be a help. So they're taking... Taking a leap. Taking a risk. Don't it's hurt. a big Jimmy Swing okay. episode. Let's go. That man is nervous big time. I think Lucy is the mean girl of the office. She was the mean girl on Full House as Gia. Right. You know, and frankly, I thought Jimmy's speech there was super confident, super clear. Like, I thought the strategy was made sense. Well, you know... I, I'm not with you, Lucy. You know, in the back of his mind, Jimmy knows that this is his his chance to prove everybody wrong. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, look, let's be honest. This is a Jimmy's a dum-dum who turns out to be a genius episode. Is he going to win him all that money? look like one. <laughs> right. And then get it taken oh, away. That's the worst. But it got him an oopsie. It's m- that's gotta count for something. What you got against parties? I don't have anything against parties. It's I'd like you to wear this. Excuse me. You look like a hitman. I am not wearing this. Ready? No, he's not gonna be painting you as an assassin. Hey, sky baby blue. He looks mean in that tie. I look what? Jimmy, I understand you're thinking on this, but he looks okay. Oh, straight might be nice. Lucy's mothering everyone. Crooked works for you. Wow. It was a mistake I even let him in. He's defending the man who killed my daughter. 
I invite him into my own kitchen. Now let's. Wait, 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 you... Hold on. We're gonna we're gonna do this all at once. All of these people, so people don't yell at us. Please keep giving us good reviews. <laughs> okay, so in this scene, we are going to see Tony Danza as the. It's not. He's not the prosecutor, but as the as his, their opponent legally, Francis S. McCar X. McCarthy as the dad, Todd Sybil as the son, and the judge is John Rubenstein. All of these people we have seen before. So we don't. So, there you get. So more. we don't have to go through credits. Well, we do credits in the future, Keith. I'd like to learn what they've been in and stuff. Oh, oh, hell yeah! Okay. We're gonna do credits. No, 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 we're gonna do everything we've always done. We're just going to put it at the beginning or the ending of the scenes and not interrupt the scenes properly. I want to pose to you a quick entertainment business question that maybe you can help us with. Hit me. So as the opening credits are still going on the screen here while we have this this post-opening crawl scene, we saw yes. that Tempest Bledsoe is going to be in the episode later. She we was did. listed as a guest star. But then mm -hmm. following that, it says, with a special appearance by Tony Danza. So, do you, can you explain to us the difference between a guest star and a special appearance by, in billing? I don't think... I, I don't know if it has any union rules differently. I, 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 I don't know TV as well as I do theater. I would imagine it's just that it is a way to highlight the big star... Mm -hmm. Like a special appearance by is never done by somebody who's not a big star, so they'll like tuck it at the end. I I bet there's some sort of a particular union credit going on there. Maybe they pay him more or less based on that. Yeah, I think what a lot of people don't know is that a lot of bigger stars, their agents can negotiate things from the size of the font used to display their client in something. As down to when they're listed in the credits to how they're listed in the oh, credits. Oh, it's a huge negotiated, yeah, before or after the title. Right, above the title, you know, things, well, I guess that's the same difference, but so I imagine that has to do with this, but I didn't know if you had any more specificity around that, but we would have known if this were a better podcast. It's not. Do that. Because he impressed me as being honest. Old Raul Parza. So both me and my son talked to him. Steve told him how Susan sometimes would get on the internet, and he asked Steve if he'd say that in court. And he agreed? He struck us as a decent guy, trying to do his job. Steve figured he wouldn't be going against the prosecution. And what happened when your son took the stand, Mr. Robin? He accused my son of killing his sister. He started screaming in court, you did it, you did it. Accused him of cutting off his own sister's head. This is a lot of recapping you stuff we've already seen. I'm okay. Actually, you're not okay, are you, Mr. Robin? You're dying. I have liver cancer. You tell Mr. Young that? Yes. In the kitchen, he was asking if Susan could have been depressed about anything. I, I told him of my condition. And how did Mr. Young make use of that? He said that because I was dying, leaving my estate to Susan and Steve... Steve had a motive to kill Susan quick. It's true. Before the cancer got me. And how do you feel about that statement? I don't think I have to tell you how I feel about that statement. Yeah, you punched him in the face. I guess you don't. With a cane. That was brutal. All right, Jimmy, what you got? 
Van. Van. First, please know how sorry I am about your daughter. Also about your illness. When Mr. Young talked to you that day in the kitchen, he believed somebody other than George Vogelman killed Susan, right? I don't know what he thought. Well, one of the reasons you agreed to speak with him is because you could tell he really did believe in Mr. Vogelman's innocence. Would that be fair? It wouldn't be fair to say my take on Mr. Young was accurate. I have nothing else. A lot of murmuring, Keith. A lot of murmuring. Murmur, 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 murmur. Oh. What Mr. Young did to your son in court, I apologize for that. I apologize for my firm. That never should have happened. Interesting strategy. Very interesting. But a contrite probably plays better with the jury than defiant. Right. Why don't you just cut the check? The jury had to hear that. Not like that, they didn't. You could say, I sympathize, I feel for you, I understand, but saying what I did was wrong. Jimmy, because that's the whole strategically, issue. Strategically, okay? what's happening here is this case is not about some sort of a legal issue. It's more about a moral issue. Right, because like the there there's no like you're not allowed to do that. The the civil case happening here is like, was that over the line shitty? Mm-hmm. So if they if they sort of like I think what Jimmy's doing here is trying to put them in a like we're all on the same team morally here, like we stepped over, but like we're not the the firm that says like, yay, we love doing this. It's just it's what we had to do and it sucked. And I think now we as opposed to normally where they're fighting over evidence. Now, I don't know that we've we've broached the subject of are they allowed to bring other plan Bs they've done in other cases into this case or does it have to stay specific to this one time? I think it has to be specific to this one time because there is a like the, the single person suing them about a single act and which is why the other stuff comes to whether or not these this firm is moral or not but wasn't this case they also plan bead helen well they didn't plan b they betrayed helen yeah that's true but they didn't plan b would have been like helen did you kill that woman right even though she has she does have blood on her hands but I mean, Helen absolutely that. would right. that If that's person. our defense, what are you playing? I told you hey, go in. It is hey. one thing to turtle. It is another to confess. I've got to go before the boy. Now, how long of this episode do we have to have interstitial scenes of them disagreeing with how Jimmy's handling the case? All of yeah, them. Yeah, it's going to... I feel All like... All of the episodes. So, what should be our safe word when there's been too much? <laughs> safe word. Marsupial. I... Marsupial. We're going to say marsupial when I feel that it's just been too much of the same scene of them being like, Jimmy, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, so uh, you came here for the uh, the erudite legal analysis and stay for the marsupial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think oh, about boy. that? It's not just money with me. My job is on the line. Are you going on record announcing I was wrong? I didn't do that. I said it shouldn't have happened. What's the I difference in how you say it? Now. That's Damn enough. Right, it's enough. Enough to lose the case. Eugene. <laughs> Showing compassion is one thing. We cannot admit liability. I didn't do that. Jimmy is all over this guy. Calm 
down. He's had one case this year. He's got it. I, I apologize for being bossy and overstepping myself. I don't really mean to. Okay. okay, guys, we have a new segment. Yes. Mike, you haven't even heard this. But I've been asking for it. I've been clamoring. You have. Here we go. Parishioners, it is time to contemplate the answer to one of God's greatest mysteries. What the hell is Lucy wearing? Amen. What the hell is Lucy wearing? This looks like some sort of a halfway between a milkmaid and a prom dress it's basically if you were to take like a, a yes a middle school formal dress from the 80s from the 80s and then put it through the halloween sexy upification machine you, you know how right. you're like with a 90s choker with a 90s choker and there you have it i think we've that's i there think that's is. actually a pretty perfect can i get an amen amen it's actually you know, one of the more it wasn't totally one of the less ridiculous. coming in here to such a tight group where everybody was friends. It's not that I expected to be welcomed, but that remark about me packing my bags I didn't deserve that. Oh I like that she's so You're forthcoming. Right. I'm sorry. But at the same time, she's like everybody's I know being that the holidays mean to me. are hard on people who don't have anybody. I, I could fix you up. I know some cool guys. When Did I, I just am wrong? horrible to down. everybody, I'm, I walk Suddenly, in right there and I'm in like court. a Gatling gun of insults and then get offended when people are like, you suck. Now, I don't know if we've seen this before or if it's the first time I'm seeing it. If you're watching at home, we're about seven minutes and 45 seconds into the episode. <laughs> Not our episode. True. Behind the judge here, there is a portrait of, I'm, I'm guessing, another judge from another time. And he has one hell of a handlebar mustache. Oh, yeah, he sure does. Right. That's, that's like a Win Wilford Brimley. Mm, my my diabetes. <laughs> I got diabetes accessories. He starts accusing Rest me. Rest in peace. Saying I killed her. I felt just shock. And what about after the trial? It doesn't go away. First, he duped me. I feel like I played a part in freeing the man who killed my sister. Objection. Mm. Assuming facts not in evidence. George Vogelman did not Sibyl kill Sue. Move to strike. That remark assumes facts not in evidence, much less existence. All the facts go to show that he did kill Objection. her. Objection. Now who's accusing who? Well, was it your turn to accuse George this boy of killing his sister? The jury has already been informed of Mr. Vogelman's acquittal as well as its irrelevance to this proceeding. Mr. Silva, continue. It's my head in you a bag. You said, Steve, it doesn't go away. People... I can see in their eyes. Did he? Could he have? You know what that feels like? To walk around with people thinking maybe you decapitated your sister? Please, don't address the defendant, sir. Always some truth behind every rumor, huh? He can't disprove it, can he? Had no alibi. Okay, so they are specifically suing Eugene, not the firm. Right, but, you, but because Eugene is part of the firm the firm is liable for his actions it's never gonna go away you feel violated i was violated we can only imagine most of us what it must feel like to be accused of such a gruesome murder 
Can you imagine what it must feel like to be actually charged with a crime you didn't commit? I'm not sure it could be any worse, Mr. Berluti. Yeah, it can, Steve. Because it's not just reputation on the line. It's your life. Forget whispers from the public. You go to a maximum security prison. He should. He killed my sister. What if he didn't? Okay, there hold he on. is, Steve. Conspiracy theory. Okay, so Todd Sibble as the son. I think he killed his sister. Objection. Plan B. <laughs> no, I, I actually, it's true. I just plan beat him on the trial for having plan beat him. But this guy is so dead eyed and so emotionless about this whole thing about a sister dying, about being accused of murder. He, I, he looks like a classic sociopath. I say, I declare that he did indeed kill his sister, and the plan B was a plan A. So there's two points I want to bring up while we're stopped. Point number one, I don't disagree. In fact, I was thinking during his whole testimony, man, this is a lot of woe is me, woe is me. It probably more effective to a jury to be like, you know, not only do I have to deal with the devastation of my sister being dead, he just seems to be worried about, oh, they said I did it. My life, people are whispering behind my back. Oh, I'm a little murdering shit. So that's number one. <laughs> I'm gonna pull that clip out. <laughs> Number two, I highly disagree with the fact that George Vogelman, acquitted for the murder of this crime, shows up to this Plan B trial. Well, stay away, perhaps, dude. I think Plan C, you might be doing them a favor, but we'll find mm -hmm. out. Michael Monks. There he is. Murmur, murmur, Assuming murmur. he's innocent, can you think what it must feel like to be threatened with life imprisonment? That's worse. Don't you agree? So he's doing well? On the son, he did great. On the father, he wobbled a little. Who's next? And they're really adjudicating the Jimmy, huh? Sure are. Well, Jeez. To all my coworkers were up my ass this far. Bobby, um, uh, this Christmas party, uh, we can invite clients? I guess. Uh, what about dates? Are, are we supposed to bring dates? You know, you really should check with Lucy. She knows more what's going on. Okay. Wait a second. Am I to believe that after giving Bobby the nope, she's going to bring a date to the Christmas party? Who might have been a, an <clears throat> old client? No, she's not. She's talking about whether or not they should go together. Oh, okay. She just yeah, she just said no to him. She sure. Yeah, we're we're in the middle of a will they, won't they, or will I care? And it's definitely option C. Hmm, hold on, that brings me to a new segment. Oh, what's the new segment? I'm pretty excited. Oh, it's gonna be live. Yeah, it's uh in honor of your brother's hardcoreness. Yes. Cocktease. That's a that is a terrible segment. Oh, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> 
you're you're gonna go on record on the internet singing the song cock tease on a feminist podcast <laughs> wait we're a feminist podcast now well we're i mean we're positive oh jesus lord we're f- you're a mess we're positive yes i agree that doesn't mean she's not cock teasing him <laughs> she's in she's out she will she won't let's not forget i mean bobby at least has put his put his heart on his sleeve and she's saying no but yes but nah but let's not forget he's her boss you're right you're right you know what i would like to i would like to formally amend my bumper okay all right <laughs> all right bumper number two Potentially inappropriate workplace interaction. Yeah, that sounds better. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Neutered right at the balls. <laughs> Do you have a Where date? are the cocktails? Uh, well, no. I, mean, I haven't asked anyone. I, I, I was just wondering. Are you bringing anyone? See? No. Um. I think Eleanor should bring George Rogelman. I'm up next with the detective, so I should really... Oh, yeah. Oh, now Bobby's doing the waffle. That's not there. He's a cock tease. All right, here's the writer's meeting with David E. Kelly. So, so guys, I know that in season one, we had uh, Bobby and Lindsay hook up. But I feel like we've got, you know, six, seven more seasons. How how long can we do the will they, won't they before it gets really annoying? Well, you know, I, I think... Here's here's how we can get around it. Uh, we can have them uh, just arrive out of nowhere, having already done it. Mm-hmm. So it's not really a will they, won't they. It's will they, won't they again. I like it. Which is definitely feels like much more. The stakes are much higher and much more interesting when they've already pretty much done all okay, of it. Okay, follow up. Will it? Will it? lessen the impact of the drama if we just still have Bobby bang everybody else. Oh, yeah. Well, it's actually, that's that's inherent to the character, so he has it in his contract. He must be banging someone who is either an inappropriate co-worker or a possible, maybe, definitely murderous. Okay, well, uh, good. Let's feel squared away, then. Okay, good. Like multiple, like Helen too. I'm not going kid gloves, the detective. Remember? I got no problem going hard on witnesses. It's just a family. Uh, to those listening at home, you'll be happy to know that I forgot to turn the other microphone back on, so uh, my bumpers will be very quiet. We we heard it through the other mic, but you know, probably for the best. Uh, well, but uh, I believe the punishment will fit the crime. I didn't press record on my other recorder And I set it up to try to be real professional But I still didn't record Because it's not a better podcast Yeah Yeah Take that, Jingles (laughs) Some legal jingles I want you to get the detective Okay What? What? I see you two looking I wasn't looking at anything You were thinking All right, Jimmy Come on you guys have been so judgy and shit. No wonder he's him. Did any evidence even suggest that Steve Robin could have been involved in his sister's death? No, sir. Forensics, DNA, fingerprints? Everything pointed to George Vogelman. 
Nothing indicated Steve Robin. Now, detectives. This is James Pickens Jr. The defense has complained that who never even bothered to investigate in Steve Robin. We considered all family members. There was nothing to incriminate him, nor anybody but George Vogelman. Steve Robin did have motive, financial problems. Man. He'd be the sole beneficiary. Man. That is motive, right, detective? Perhaps. And wasn't it established that Steve Robin and his sister were estranged at the time of her death? Yes. And who established that, detective? The police or George Vogelman's lawyers? You people did. And Steve Robin had no real alibi at the time of his sister's death? As far as I know, neither do you. But without any evidence, we can't... I was as much a suspect as in a... An estranged family member with a motive? No, no, my point is we need some evidence to trigger at least suspicion before we investigate anybody. There was none on the brother. Did you want there to be? Might have hurt your case against George. Objection. Withdrawn. You never even asked the question, did you, detective? You never even said, hey, what about the brother? Of course we did. We ruled him out. Can you prove he didn't do it? We can't prove it. Well, how do you rule him out? Because all the evidence went to your client. All the evidence Oh, but hold on. That does not rule him out. No. Evidence in another direction is not exculpatory for another person. Thank you. Period. The murder weapon. The murder weapon, detective. We never found the weapon. The bloody clothing worn by the killer. We didn't find any bloody clothing. There likely was bloody clothing. You just didn't find it, right? Right. What about the witnesses? There weren't any witnesses. To your knowledge, or can you prove there were no witnesses? To my knowledge. All the evidence, period. That means all the evidence you had. Right, detective? Yes. Thank you. Yes, let's not, re- let's not forget that they admitted, Helen pretty much on the stand admitted that they were trying to get a quick... Uh, a quick conviction. conviction. Yeah. And also, Bobby is re-highlighting the fact that they often, on this show at least, have a shitty case. There's, there's yeah. not a lot of evidence ever put forth. Well, and, and what I'm waiting for Bobby to do here is drop the hammer and say, like, all that evidence you got that you're saying exculpated the brother, uh, you got your conviction, right? Oh, no, you didn't. Mm. Mm. Could you say exculpate it again slowly with a lot of basundo and do it in the mic? Exculpated. Don't. Oh, at one point, you did say, What about the brother? (laughs) Of course we did. Did Tommy Silva sue you? Objection. Withdrawn. I'm going to lead with you, Eleanor, then Eugene. Different tie tomorrow, right? Eleanor, expect Silver across you personally. What do you mean? You dated George. He'll try to use That's that. That's not relevant. Your judgment during trial is relevant. He'll try to show that you were clouded by Let's your... Let's bring a motion in limine. Too late. You're on at 4 o'clock. Continue it till tomorrow. We'll look worse trying to evade. Let's just be upfront about everything. You know, that's easy for you to say. It's not your personal life. <laughs> Who's got a personal life? Lucy! Lucy. Hey! Right off. I quit. See ya. Okay, Bobby just grabbed her by the arm and pulled her into his office. (laughs) A new segment called We're Treating Women Great in This Office. Look, I've tried to... Look at that fax machine. Wow. Wow. But, like, again, Lucy, you have gone after... Every single person in this office, like the girls at the high school 
cafeteria who would not let me sit within three tables of them. And now you're all, as you would say, butthurt about people being pissed off at you. Yeah, and you quit a pretty damn good job. I bet she's getting paid well. I would imagine. For an 18-year-old And I realize it's probably my fault that I don't. But let's just all admit it's not working. I won't admit that. I think you've been doing great. You're the only one who's been nice. And Jimmy, sometimes... So it's all been in the same day so far because she's wearing the same clothing. Uh, First first scene, she was wearing a different outfit. Was she? Yeah. It wasn't interesting enough to play the bumper. Eleanor when she's not riled. Lucy, we all snipe at each other. The fact that they dish it out to you like everybody else, that's just a sign of being accepted. I think maybe we just assume you can take it because you're so... I'm not that tough. I'm just pushy. A little. Why do you think that is? I'm just used to taking care of people. And you guys, sometimes you seem like you need it a little. Ooh, introspective. Because they do. You're working out, I promise. It wasn't that we thought Steve Robin killed his sister so much as we couldn't exclude the possibility. Well, let's be honest. Steve Robin was a bit of a red herring. Yes, which is viable because the police didn't investigate. Detective McCrew claims they did. George Vogelman did not kill Susan Robin. George Vogelman passed a lie detector test that we gave him. District Attorney Helen Gamble... Objection. Hearsay. Not offered for the truth, but only as to what the witness heard. I'll allow it. Good job, Jimmy. What did District Attorney Helen Gamble tell you? Basically, that the police had a disincentive to investigate. The victim's head was found in George Vogelman's medical bag. He represented the only chance they had at getting a conviction. They desperately needed to satisfy public pressure, and any new evidence would only serve to undermine what they believed was an open and shut case. Leaving you with the idea? They were more concerned with getting a conviction than they were with finding the real killer. Helen Gamble told you this. She suggested to me that could have been why the police didn't reopen. Told you this in confidence? Pretty much. And you sprung a little surprise, calling her to the stand, making her say that under oath. She didn't see that coming, did she? No. You basically sandbagged her. Objection. Withdrawn. What's plan B? It's sort of a slang code we have for, well, shifting guilt to somebody other than our client. It's pointing the finger at someone else in court, saying he did it. Is that it? Basically. And basically, you decided to plan B, Steve Robin, in the Vogelman trial. Yes. If you're playing at home, I feel like we've. You should take a drink every time they say the word plan B. Oh my God. This has been like six episodes in a row where we have recapped this exact thing multiple times. I get it. I get it. Do we need a safe word for the plan B? We might. Mm. Marsupial's taken. Okay. Uh,. Mangrove. Oh. Oh. Stand up in open court and suddenly say he killed his own sister. Asked and answered. Let's move on, counsel. When you decided to plan B, Steve Robin. Mangrove! Did you think he killed his sister? (laughs) We didn't know. Oh, I understand you couldn't know for positively sure. My question goes to what you thought. Honest answer. Did you really think he killed his sister? Yes. No. He did. You'll do anything to get the client off, won't you? Objection. Sustained. You ever been suspended in connection with jury tampering? Wow. Jimmy, 
Help her. That was an innocuous exchange that happened in an elevator between a colleague and a juror who tried to ask her out on a date. Well, you're required by law to report these communications to the judge, aren't you? Objection relevance. Offered to show a pattern of deceit. It also bears on the witness's honesty, which she puts in issue by testifying. The chickens are coming home to roost. Want a cup of water, Miss Frutt? I'm fine. Whoa. Thank you. Did you persuade your colleague not to report the jury tampering because it might cost your client an acquittal? Yes. Client there was an alleged drug dealer? Yes. A couple of months ago, you had another client, a drunk driver. He hit a pedestrian, oh, called you from the scene. You advise him to drink right there on the oh, spot? Shit. Objection. How do you know Pattern. that? Hold on. Go ahead. Yeah. You tell Yes, what you said. How did he know that? Does he listen to the podcast? <laughs> In a shocking right. twist. Yeah, here it is. Conspiracy theory. Tony Danza, after asking you out on a date, out on a date, being rebuffed, is now an avid listener to the Out of Practice podcast and used that in his closing here. Wow. Also time-traveled back in time. He's also a time-traveler because he doesn't age. Wow. Okay. I like it. My conspiracy theory is that we just agreed we were going to lay off the bumpers and have now strung six together <laughs> in a row. No, we did not promise that we would lay off the bumpers. <laughs> wow! Remember that anime, <laughs> that anime one I played a few uh, weeks ago? Oh, God. Client, no, that, let yourself be seen the podcast. so that when you fail the breathalyzer, you can say you were drinking after the accident? Your Honor, this is getting way off track. I agree. Let's move on. Is there anything you won't stoop to, Miss Fred? Objection. Sustained. You consider yourself an honest person. Objection. He's plan being Sustained. Eleanor. You don't want her to answer that? You think that'd be kind Mangrove. of slowball? Objection. Sustained. were you? you know, I've also found interesting I've mm. always found interesting I should say and since we both have experience on a jury I feel that this is this is justified often in court you'll hear prosecutors or defense attorneys do things like Tony Danza did just there like a plan B or a, a, a lambasting the witness and right. objections are sustained but even though objections are sustained, or times when they say something and then the judge has it stricken from the record, or tells the jury, you will disregard XYZ, that's right. true. They say that, but that doesn't take it out of the jurors' minds. It's there. The seed is no. planted. Right. I find that interesting. There's no, there's sort of no penalty for a, a sustained objections. No, well, this is where our system for better and worse, relies upon the professionalism of its jurors. And what you're screening for when you're in voir dire doing bias questions and this, that, the other thing, <clears throat> I don't believe they ask sometimes about, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, whether or not you're able to set aside things that you know and narrow the, the scope of what you're mm. thinking about. And like, it just comes down to the, the juror going in there and saying like, you know what? My job here is to narrow the scope and set aside, you know, everything except for the evidence presented here. Hard to do. 
I was up and down like a jack in a box. You I came couldn't... in late. Where were you? Eleanor, Jimmy's right. If we duck those questions. Those questions have nothing to do with this case. And they you had to do with you. You hung me out. Silva hung you out with your own history. That's true. You Jimmy did do nothing it. wrong. Maybe you shouldn't have witness tampered. Or jury tampered. Or told Should've your client to get wasted waiting for the police. Lindsay, if they come back over the policy, it's gonna Let's be- Let's not forget, it was Bobby he hit with his car. <laughs> Donald and Dolan shut. I know. Aren't you scared? Yes. Yeah, I've been thinking about leaving anyway, a little. Excuse me? A little, you know, maybe to a bigger firm. I don't know. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's like bomb, big bomb You're drop. You're in love with him. What? Who? What are you afraid of? Because you two work together? If it's right, it it's isn't gonna... right. And I know where it would end. I don't want to end up like... Like what? He's a workaholic for one thing. What's another thing? Are you waiting for him to totally get over me? Because it just doesn't happen. <laughs> Let's just decorate the tree. Got Jimmy. Sure. P.S. We've learned an, You're an a, idiot. a little nugget, little character decorate. nugget here. Helen went to Harvard. She's wearing a Harvard sweatshirt. So Helen went to Harvard. What cheesy Christmas music. <laughs> right? Are they playing with those like little animatronic dogs? Also, interesting note on sound design. It would, I would love to talk to your uncle about this, but it sounded to me like they were decorating the tree by the fireplace. So it was either supposed to be that that Christmas music playing from a radio in the apartment, or it was just scoring right. for the scene. There was definitely there oh. was definitely no effect on that that made it sound like it was coming from the apartment. It clearly seems like that was just scoring for the scene. I think it has to be diegetic though, because like that'd be really weird to have that be scoring. So maybe they just had a really good stereo. Yeah, I, or the sound designer was in a rush. Also, quite possible. Look, obviously Silva has moles. Wow, that you heard about Plan B, Eleanor advising a client to drink. The jury tampering thing was on record, but what happened with Helen Gamble? That wasn't. The guy is tapped in. Okay, they're having a very important firm meeting. Lucy has opened yeah. the door and is looking at them with contrition on her face. Something tells uh -huh. me that this very important meeting that has to do with that, that the fiscal future of the firm relies on is going to be interrupted mm -hmm for some weird Lucy apology. Oh, or some just weird Lucy insults. We'll see. But meanwhile, Rebecca's wearing a uh, an actually not ugly Christmas sweater. It looks very similar to the one my mother-in-law gave me this year. And Jimmy is looking at Eugene's tie, which is pretty thematically consistent for the episode. I like it so far. Ah, you say it would like tie it together, you think? Look at this. Look at this picture. It looks like it would be a great office Christmas card. It would be. Or like the season three... Uh, Poster. Hmm. Interesting. Tapped in or not, this doesn't happen unless people in this room are talking. I didn't tell. Nobody's saying you did. No, not much. The point is, we can't repeat stuff. Not the friends, relatives, anybody, because Tommy Silva knows everybody. Everybody. Keith, they're, they're tying up our plot hole. They are. Oh, objection retracted. Wow. So who's, who's telling There's a mole. Right? All set. I don't plan There's to be protecting you. New Just conspiracy. Like Great. Come on, let's go. Hold on. 
You all got your tails between your legs. Wait, <laughs> hold on. So, what the person quote unquote let slip is that Eleanor told a client to drink at the scene of a crime. Yes. That's just something that came up in flippant conversation with a buddy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I, 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 like, it really has to be a mole because how many people would know that? Because a client certainly wouldn't admit it. They didn't admit it to the cops. So it has to be one of the seven of them. Wow. Hmm. So there is a mole just ratting out Eleanor. I think Silver is making a mistake here. The mortis outside stuff he puts in. The jury tampering, the drunk client. He's trying to win with evidence that's got nothing to do with this case. The jury can see that. So let's not go in the room looking like losers, okay? The jury can see that too. Yeah, Jimmy. When I persuaded Steve Robin to testify, my intent was only to establish his sister being on the internet. I never lied to him. But let's be fair. When you changed your strategy, you didn't call him up and say, by the way, I plan to accuse you. No. You wanted to spring this? Yes. Why? By surprising him, I had a better chance of causing him to be outraged. Rage and outrage, they can look alike. If I could get a jury to see rage in him, then they could more easily believe he could have committed a homicide. Do you believe he killed his sister? I didn't know that he didn't, but I really didn't think that he did either. So, Mr. Young, you're basically admitting you accused Steve Robin of doing something you yourself didn't really think he did. I do not admit that I am guilty of any wrongdoing. And why not? Because as a defense lawyer, it is my job to raise questions, to play devil's advocate to what the government is saying. Sometimes you might look like a devil doing so. Hey, well done. Well said. Yeah. Great line. Fair point. Don't you feel bad? Steve Robin, he's probably innocent. Of course I feel bad. But George Vogelman is innocent. He was framed, the police didn't investigate, and I wasn't about to let an innocent man get a life sentence for something he didn't do. George is there again. Possible discipline from the bar because of this plan B tactic, aren't you? I was reported to the bar. I suspected your urging. The bar is conducting an inquiry? Yes. You sound, maybe it's me, you sound almost proud of what you did. Like I said, I didn't enjoy having to attack Steve Robin. Once a defense lawyer Mm -hmm. takes a case, he has to use whatever legal means possible to defend his client. That's what I did. In fact, plan B, you guys use this strategy a lot, don't you? We use it on occasion, when we deem it viable. Last week, Bobby Donald had a case. Objection. Pattern, Your Honor. Go ahead. A baby was killed, and your firm represented the convicted killer. Bobby Donald stood up in court and accused the baby's father, didn't he? I wasn't there. But to my knowledge, the facts supported the question. And that, too, would be a lawyer's job, right? Yes. Yes. In fact, any grieving parent, should his baby be murdered, should expect to be accused of killing his child because that's our system. It's not that simple. Well, you're sure making it sound that simple, Mr. Young. You're sitting in that chair and we're, we're talking about accusing family members of murdering their loved ones as basic defense strategy. You sure make it sound easy. I gotta say, both sides are doing really well here. Like Tony Dan's killing it, but so's Jimmy. Jimmy also looks like he's coming up with shit on the fly. Mr. Berluti? 
Yes, Your Honor. What are you going to do, Jimmy? Going after Steve Robin like that. You weren't a little disgusted with yourself? As I testified, I didn't enjoy doing it. That wasn't my question. I asked, weren't you disgusted with yourself? Didn't you go back to the witness room right after and say something to the effect like, you were a monster for doing that? Isn't that what you told Eleanor Frutt? What are you doing? A plan B Last in you. year, your 10-year-old son said, His plan my B dad gets Eugene. killers off. Now, you were disgusted with yourself when you heard that, weren't you? You wanted to quit practicing law. Uh, what's going on? I'm asking the witness some tough questions. If he doesn't answer, I'd like to treat him as hostile. This is just another stunt, Your Honor. I... Why don't you sit oh, down shit. so you know what you're talking about? All right. Ooh, I'll give you, you some Jimmy. latitude, counsel. You like putting killers back out there, Eugene? Two years ago, some pedophile you defended, you put him back on the street. He sodomized and murdered two little boys, didn't he? You snapped in court and you beat up your own client, didn't you? If they hadn't pulled you off him, who knows what would have happened, right, Eugene? This spiel. Defense lawyers do what we must and we don't apologize. That's a bunch of crap, isn't it? You get disgusted with yourself a lot. And you got disgusted with yourself after attacking Steve Robin, understand, didn't you? Because you knew then, like you know now, it was despicable. Isn't that the truth? Nostril flare. We can take your silence as a yes. Can't we, Eugene? Eugene looks ready to kill him. Is mad. Eugene is ma- let the record show. Eugene is mad. Eugene is pissed. <laughs> Just push the guy what out the of the elevator. Right. You were up there like a robot. You couldn't have been worse. If we rested on that, we lose big. You were terrible. Interesting strategies. That scene was intense. Jimmy! So is the Christmas party still on? (laughs) Jimmy, can you pick up some candy canes on your way in? I'm not saying you're wrong. He was a little cold, but exactly how did you make it better? I let the jury know I had the same reaction to his testimony that they had. Bobby... He was more than cold. I'll talk to him. You ready with your closing? No. Mm. Everything okay? Uh, Eugene's testimony went a little rough. We're finished, aren't we? Had we started up again? I, uh, this firm. Oh, I, God. Uh, if we lose this case. Oh. oh. Okay. Uh, we haven't lost. David, I have some constructive criticism. Yeah, don't don't that play That was a s- fucking terrible Don't play so many that bumpers. That was a terrible couplet. That was a terrible terrible couplet. <laughs> it's bad writing. You're better than that. You are better than are we finished? I thought we were just talking. You know what? Play the better podcast bumper. All this right, is for all David right, e. Kelly. David, this is for you. Every time Bobby and Lindsay talk, it doesn't have to be about them. Every time it's serious, it doesn't have to go back to them. It's not that interesting when they're just talking about fucking. And that was not as clever as you thought it was at 3 a.m. when you wrote that line the night before it was filmed. And even if we do, there's a lot to appeal. We're not finished. 
What? That's all. Is it that bad? No, it's just... Tell me. I kissed Lucy. I should say she kissed me, and when she did it, it felt wrong. Oh, marsupial! Like I was betraying somebody. Lindsay, someone pick my brain. I feel like I'm in some kind of relationship with her. My head went right to her when Lucy kissed me. I was talking about the Robin case. What? Oh, yeah. Didn't Jesus well. Christ, this scene is terrible. She kissed me, mistletoe, but well. You kiss Helen Gamble, you kiss Lindsay, there was that whiny thing in the short skirt, and, and now you kiss Lucy. <laughs> Alley reference. If Rebecca complains that he never kissed her, I'm, I'm walking out. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Rebecca? Better. You know, we're about to face bankruptcy, you're running around kissing teenagers. What's wrong with you? Hey, Rebecca, I tell Thank you something. You. Thank you, Rebecca. You me? You're damn right, she's 18 years old. She kissed me. Oh, you tell the world Lucy you know it's bad enough that she already hates me welcome back Rebecca the Cricket you have been missed Rebecca let's all get back to work can we do that back to work the wheels are proverbially falling off proverbially oh god proverbially I didn't probably felt it necessary since I found your testimony unsympathetic. Jimmy, close it on your way out. I would think you'd understand. I was doing whatever I could to save the client. And the client is you. Yeah, exactly. God, Steve Harris has the best. He did exactly face. what you would have done. He really does. Put yourself Man. in their position. Our position. I love scenes of Jimmy practicing his closing. I know. There's way too much paper. Every defendant. There's like 500 sheets of rolled up did you paper. Stay here all night. It's morning. Gosh. Lucy is wearing yet another oh, weird. This does not look like a auntie dress with a choker. She's dressed as Hello? Anna from Frozen. George. Hi, Jimmy. Lucy. He's got a bag. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> I was thinking. I was the guy you fought for. Maybe you should put me up there. What are you... Get the jury to see it from my side. What? I, I thought about that, but Silver would cross you on the porno tapes. He he'd get in how your friends pulled away, how you still didn't get your job back. You were an easy cross in a criminal trial. You'd be even softer here in a civil one. I just wish there was something I could do to... Just be in the room. That'd be great. Sure. Michael Monks. Cashing those checks. I'll see you. Right? What was Bobby thinking giving it to me? From what I hear, you're doing great. Is that the end of, his, of the George Vogelman portion of this scene? Because that's bizarre. To just have him come in for that. Yeah, just, just wait. Just you wait. Who said? Well, uh, nobody. But I can feel you're doing great. What? He left his bag. <laughs> He's gone. Think he got lucky last night? 
Lucy, he just <laughs> forgot it. Her face. There's so we get on the bag. Lucy's tiptoeing to the bag. Are you out of your mind? Open it. I'm not gonna open it. It's a man's private bag. You open it. <laughs> I'm a girl. There's nothing in it but medical supplies. Just look. Maybe there's a phone number inside, and we can call him. I right. love. Right. We'll pretend Michael we don't have the Rolodex. We shouldn't do this. Right. Hurry up. Jump scare. Hello. Jeez, George. Hey. I forgot my bag. Oh, here it is. You know, here's my thinking. I'm going to ask you a simple true or false, okay? Okay. All right. Hit me. One day, you go to your car, and inside of your backpack or whatever you carry on a day-to-day basis, there's a severed head inside of it. Yes. True or false? You get a new bag. (laughs) I was literally going to say the same thing. I'm like, hey, Michael, maybe like a backpack instead of the head bag. Or maybe something something transparent. That's what I would do. Do you know how much these leather bags cost? I don't care what's severed inside of it. I'm not getting rid of it. That's his thought process. (laughs) It's the same bag. It's kind of my calling card now. I'm the sticky bandits. Yeah, we were... Just checking it for heads. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Lucy's been great too. There's in this no episode. honor. That's a good scene. Being alive yeah. today. Oh, used to be a dignified. Hold on. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise, you're closing. Tony Silva. Tommy Silva. My profession. Now? But there's got to be a line. Steve Robbins' sister was murdered. And these people, the lawyers, defending the guy charged with doing it, well, they decided they'll blame Steve. Fool him into taking the stand under some, some duty to tell the truth and then ambush him with an accusation they pretty much knew to be false. It was indecent, unthinkable, really. And they do it all the time. Plan B. See, they figure in a courtroom, they're insulated from slander or defamation, and so they think nothing of accusing brothers of killing sisters, fathers of killing their babies, anything to get the client off. That's but their there's got to be a line. Where do we draw it? I really don't know. But when a lawyer knowingly sacrifices a person's reputation with information he knows isn't true, when you go after a grieving brother and say that he chopped off his own sister's head. Because he did. I'd say the line has been crossed. Now, everyone today is angry at how despicable lawyers have become. Well, you have a chance right now to send a message. 
give us millions of dollars. Put these people out of business. Damn. And now for the defense, Jimmy Berluti. That was a, that was a good close. I mean, a good for uh, for Tommy there. What you gonna say, Jimmy? It's an adversarial process, and the rules, though not popular, are pretty simple. State tries to convict. The defense lawyer does everything he legally can to prevent that conviction. Not almost everything he can. Everything. It's not a choice. And if in the mind of the lawyer, pointing a finger at the brother of the victim can secure an acquittal, truth is, he has no right not to. Unless he knows for a fact it's a lie. Which here, they didn't. The system doesn't work if the lawyer says, hey, in this case, I'll do whatever I can. In that case, I won't. You do whatever you can in every single case. Defense lawyers cling to that rule. It's the only way they can survive. Sometimes they retreat so far inside that principle they can seem almost inhuman. That's what you saw in Eugene Young. He didn't even seem like he had much compassion, did he? I actually think he's in denial as to what he does. It's not surprising. Because what he has to do a lot of the time would make most people sick. How do you go home at night and sleep after getting a killer free? How can your stomach not turn at the idea of fighting for some rapist? You saw in Eugene Young a man who's freed killers only to have him kill again. You saw in Eugene Young a man who struggles with that. You saw in Eugene Young a man desperately hanging on to his ideology to survive what he does for a living. But believe it or not, that is where the truest and deepest honor of this profession lies, doing an ugly job that serves a higher purpose. The state incarcerates, the defense lawyer works every day to check that balance so innocent people don't get caught up in it. And you know what? An innocent man got caught up in it here. The polygraph that he passed was inadmissible, so the jury there couldn't know about it. The circumstantial evidence was so overwhelming and dramatic, he was faced with a sure conviction. The only thing he had was a couple of lawyers willing to do everything they could. As hard as this may be to compute, Eugene Young was dignified in going after Steve Robin. Not because Steve Robin probably did it, but because he, he most likely didn't. And that made the duty ugly, dirty. Many attorneys would have found a way not to do it. And the innocent man might have gone to jail. Over there, since somebody who got hurt. And our compassion has to go out to him. It has to, but it also must be tempered with the reality that the worst result would have been a man serving a life sentence in prison for something he didn't do. What right. this case really is, is a referendum on criminal defense attorneys and our system. You want to pass judgment on that, I suppose I can't stop you. But I know those people at that table I work side by side with them every day. There's honor 
in that job. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy. I submit maybe one of, if not the best clothes we've had. It's definitely up there. Yeah. And I it's it's sort of a close cuz like what is this whole show right. at this point Ben a referendum on defense attorneys. So it's it's sort of like the meta pullback and I think it's the best argument you can make for what this firm does on the other side of the show constantly judging them and causing them to you know doubt themselves and such. Right and that's sort of it's sort of a a suspension cord, right? That never gets suspended on the show. They constantly end a lot of episodes with like a sus four, and it just rings out. We, it never gets resolved. Right. And yeah. here, finally, drop that four to a three, yeah, bitch. Fi- <laughs> wow, we really went to a place. <laughs> and they allow Jimmy to do it, which is really interesting as sort of the the quote unquote simpleton of the group. Yeah, well, like I said, it's a Jimmy's a dummy until he's a genius episode. Until next episode. He'll be a dummy next episode. Don't worry. The only thing I think it was missing is I I think he should have pointed it to them at some point and said, imagine that you're on trial for murder. You wake up one day and there's a dead body in your car and you had nothing to do with it. Do you want the the lawyer who goes in there and, and tiptoes around all of the hard decisions or do you want a cutthroat? Do you want Eugene Young on the stand? No, totally. Although I think that that might have been gilding the lily. They're mm. probably on top of that, but yes, definitely. I thought they'd faded to black, but Jimmy just walked in front of the camera. <laughs> okay, external shot in Boston. I actually went there. Oh, Jimmy's. And there's sad Jimmy eating. Dog. <laughs> Back in Los yeah, Angeles. Clearly. But there was smoke, Keith. Smoke it's from a grave. Steve, Steve. Just let me enjoy it. You can't have a hot dog at 1030? That's lunchish. <laughs> yeah, well, Why you gotta judge, great. Bobby? My luck is shoot. Problem is, don't fit me. I had a diet all week. I've been dreaming of this hot dog since Tuesday. I feel you, buddy. I feel you. And now I've dropped him. How's that for an omen? Thank you for letting me do it. It was a self-serving decision. Nothing to help you. I know. That's what... Spent my whole life thinking I'm not good enough. Sometimes, if we lose... You'll at least know your whole life. You've been right. Whoa. Ha! That's something Jury's I would coming say. back. What? In an hour? It's Friday. What? It's Christmas. The jury came what back is it? So what does it mean? Oh, God, what does it mean? The jury have a verdict. Let's go. I love that on the episode we read uh, our new jury members' biggest pet peeves. We've hit every one of them beat by beat. Every single one of them, step by step. Including us. <laughs> Especially us. 
we go. Not guilty. Not guilty. I think they, Jimmy, more than made his case. Yeah, he crushed it. There are so many oopsies riding on this. Not a single cough from the gallery. I'll do it. <laughs> the jury has reached its verdict. We have, Your Honor. What say you? Oh no, the buffer. <laughs> oh, Hulu buffered right at this moment. Right at the verdict. Wow, that's amazing. What the heck? I, Hulu was just like, oh, come on, guys, move on with your day. <laughs> All right, well, I'm gonna go back ten in seconds and hope for the best here. Oh boy. If we don't get our verdict, what are we going to do? What happened? <laughs> oh, oh! here we go. Here we go. We can do this. I believe in us. Wow, that was... The jury has reached its verdict? We have, Your Honor. That was Let's say fate. In the matter of Robin versus Donald Young, Dole, and Frutt on the count of defamation of character, we find in favor of the defendant. Well, nice, on the count of intentional infliction of emotional distress, we find in favor of the defendant. On the count of negligent infliction of emotional distress, we find in favor of the defendant. Yeah, Jim. Oh, yeah, Jim. Jury is dismissed. The court's George Volgeman is happy. Adjourned. Tommy Silva is pissed. You blew it. We know who's the boss now, okay. bitch. It's Jimmy. Jimmy is the boss. Know about the Christmas party now. Oh, I think it's gonna be good. Yeah, I'm a client too. But what was your case? Oh, it's it's just some boring litigation stuff. I like this place. People here are good. Yeah. 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 Lucy's handing out Christmas cookies. He's got cookies. Jimmy's at the buffet. Yeah, get it, Jimmy. You deserve it. Listen. He's approaching Eugene. Uh, we okay. You and me. Yeah. We're okay. Jimmy. Good closer. Yeah. Aaron Neville's playing. They licensed some music for this one. So we're still in business. Yeah. Bobby and Lindsay are in the office still alone partners. by the fax machine. Sure. Thinking of leaving. What? Helen said so. Jesus, there's moles everywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I should be honest about... I don't mean to be cold. It's not that I'm not interested. I just know that it's not right, and for once, I'm going with my head. Oh, yeah, Lindsay. You and your heart have been so out of control. What's that supposed to mean? Nothing. It means you're right. I'm going with your head, too. Good. I don't care if you're fucking... They're gonna kiss. This is it. Get in it. Definitely. Get it. Get it. I um. Oh, shit. Guys, it's getting intense, and here we go. Oh, uh, and they're kissing. For the record, I do care. I like it. 
And Lucy is looking through the blinds. And Lucy's watching. You're exchanging fluids with that one. Come on, Lucy. You and I haven't really got to know Are each other. Are they gonna make yet. out? So maybe we should just take this time. Hi. I'd watch that. Hi. You know you're standing under the mistletoe? Do not kiss George Vogelman. You know the saying, George. Once you've seen a man holding a severed head, it's hard to look at him again sexually. <laughs> Best line of the show. <laughs> you got Jimmy hard. You sure did. Oh, Lucy's. Oh, Lucy's got a boy. Tempest has got a guy. Uh-oh. Oh, Eleanor's dancing with Michael Mox. He sued her for breaking up with him. And now they're dancing. Ooh. Helen's got a dude. She's got a hot extra. Yeah. Eugene and Rebecca. Rebecca and Eugene are dancing. And Jimmy's by the manger. And now, I would just like to point out, uh, guys... Do yourself a favor, hop onto Hulu and watch this this last shot. It's a tracking shot through the whole office. And what they've done, they have separated the races completely. Yeah. There's a white couple, there's a black couple, there's an Asian couple. But don't worry, somewhere a teenage Stephen Miller is getting his Christmas wish. All the races are separated and not allowed to dance with each other. <sighs> but... You know, they also have the manger right next to the Hanukkah menorah, so look at that. That's that's true. That's true. All right, fair enough. I'll be happy Christmas once again. Good job, Jimmy. Yeah. Okay, guys, we have made it through season three, episode 10. We were tasked to be slightly more professional, and we brought much less professionalism to this episode. I gave you my solid B minus. <laughs> I did not give you a B minus. I was like a C minus at best today. But enough with reviewing ourselves. Hey, guess what? I made an album. I know, uh, based on my level of competence in this podcast, it seems unlikely. But I totally did. It's called Momentum, by me, Keith Varney. It's a collection of tunes I've had sitting around that I thought deserved a home. So I collaborated with Adele to make this record. Uh, to be clear, that's Adele Computer, not Adele. You can listen to the songs, or... Even better, purchase the album and download it from all of the usual places you get digital music. iTunes, Apple Music, Amazon, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, yeah, you get the idea. That's Momentum by Keith Varney. Check it out, review it, tell your friends, tell your enemies. I like to imagine it's playing in Lucy's headphones every time she's in the office. She seems moody enough. All right, enough of that. Back to Keith and Mike. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... 
Oopsie. The Oopsies. Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Thank you, Jackie. It is time to talk about the... Most Valuable! Doesn't even warrant conversation. Absolutely stellar top to bottom crushing it is Jimmy Berluti. How could we give it to anyone else? I, we can't. We can't. It would be wrong for us even to discuss it. Congratulations, Jimmy Berluti, on your giant victory. Hopefully, please, for the love of God, putting to bed the headless case. Oh, my God. Yeah. So many cases we can be done with. Now it's time for... Already famous because you've been on TV Getting a paycheck Watch your first entry on your IMDb Way to go And you're the best guest actor You are the best guest actor You are the best guest actor on the episode Best guest, what you got? I would, I could make a case that And I think I would win That Tony Danza, once again, criminally underused in the episode. However, what he does, he does excellently. You know, we're usually, <clears throat> we usually see Tony Danza play a comedic role where his natural charisma and charm sort of drives the bus. Here, he plays more of an antagonistic character, and I think does so with that same deft touch. His charisma makes him not seem like such a D, and they've written him well in that he's not really going after them personally. He's just trying to get that cash money from his client. He's great on his cross-examinations. He was great in his closing. I just think he showed all his, his you know, a subtlety that you don't always get to see from Tony Danza. And so I would like to award him with my guest, best guest actor, Oopsie. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And it was, it's, it's cool to see Tony Danza sort of playing it straight. And, and you're right. Like he's so charismatic that even though he's our opponent here, he can pretty much say anything and we're still going to like him. But, I, you know, Kelly did put a lot of effort into making him a three-dimensional, sympathetic adversary, almost to the point where uh, I feel like maybe they were wondering, like, how the ratings were going and, like, hey, if Tony were to join the team, he wouldn't be an unwelcome addition. Like a tryout? Like a little tryout, although at this point the ratings had started to soar because they were winning Emmy after Emmy after Emmy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he would have been a welcome addition to the cast, but he didn't, but he does get his oopsie for best guest actor from both of us. Congratulations, Tony Danza. Well earned. Thank you, sir. Which brings us to... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show I'd like to give an honorable mention to Maria Sokolov. Uh, she won an oopsie last week, I believe. 
as Lucy, as I Lucy so. Hatcher. I thought she was once again excellent. The writing for Lucy is a little top all over topsy the place. Turvy. Yeah, a little all over the place. But she's she seems to have a really solid understanding of what she wants to bring to the character. It, it's almost right. like the actress is defining the character more than the writing right now, which is, which I think is a really strong um, superlative for her. Yeah, I agreed. I, I actually totally agree. I thought Steve Harris did his great Steve Harris this week. In fact, this is one of those episodes I often loud because it's the team effort. It's the Avengers assemble. They're all working on one case. It's unified, and I I just think the the and and I thought the inter interplay between all of the main cast was excellent this episode. I really I yeah. really did. However, I think once again this is a this is a what do we call it when somebody doubles up the discount double check. I think Jimmy or excuse me Michael Badalucho was excellent. Badalucho. Badalucho. Sorry, excuse me. Badalucho. Remember? Yeah. In fact, not only do I think his acting is excellent, but. I don't think that it's we t- we talk enough about how difficult acting is when the writing is as unbalanced as it is with this character. He he's right. a dum dum on one episode, many episodes, and then he's constantly defending himself in other episodes. And then an episode like this, he has to play it. He's got his shit together. He's also got to be funny. He's also the best litigator of the bunch. He's also the everyman. And he's doing it all at the same time. And we never for a second forget this is the Jimmy we love. So I so yeah. I think that he really, maybe even more so than an episode where it's written really well, like the, the death penalty episode, which he also won right. an oopsie for. I think in an episode like this, he really shows his acting chops because it's not the best written episode, but yet he brings a grounded, he really centers the whole thing. So I'm giving my vote to Michael Badalucco as Jimmy Berluti. Yeah, I, I, I second everything you just said. And you know, I think the only thing I would, I would add, I, I think that Michael Badalucco might be the most watchable actor on the show in the sense that like, I could watch that character just eating a sandwich forever. Eating a hot dog with sour you know, you, eating, a, eating a hot dog. Because like uh, it, a, a lot of the other actors can be very, very flashy. It can like bring it home and this intensity and this fire and this whatever. And you know, but I just think Michael Badalucco just I would love to get a hot dog with Michael Badalucco. It seems like the 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 blurring of the character and the person it feels very, very natural. Uh, so, anyway, congratulations, Michael Badalucco. Way to crush this episode, sir. Starting out as the dum dum, ending as the genius, fulfilling the prophecy that is a Jimmy episode, but still very entertaining. Mm, okay. Now, I was going to say he single handedly basically saved the firm this episode. He, he sure did. So. Does he get his due? Is he get to be a partner yet? Or how much longer do we have to wait for that? Yeah, I, I think it might be time, guys. It might be time to give Jimmy a piece of the hot dog pie. All right, next. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Now, I have a question about Mr. Tom Brady. What do you think the odds that tomorrow's game is his last regular season game as a patriot as a, either a patriot or in general 
I don't think he retires. No way. You don't think so? Um. Well, I mean, wait, that doesn't mean they're in the playoffs. Oh, last regular oh, okay. season game. It depends. I guess that I can't answer that question until we see how far how they do in the playoffs. I think if they're if they get wiped out in the first round, then it's an embarrassing loss. I don't think Tom wants to go that way. So I don't think it's his, yeah. I don't think he retires. Does he leave the Patriots? I think there's an argument that says he does. I don't see him ever playing for another team. I don't see him ever playing for another coach. I think he and Belichick are pretty much together. Uh, but interesting. More well, importantly, Tom, more importantly, will he ever write us another email? That is a good question. That is it. But I, I will have you know that even if he has stopped listening to the episodes at all, he stopped writing in, the award's still going to Tom Brady because Tom Brady, listening or not, playing or not, exists as Tom Brady. Now, Keith, I did, last week I mentioned the bylaws and I took took a look at those bylaws that we have written so professionally and legally. Of course. Yeah, we got notarized. I forgot that we do have a season out, which means that should we, should Tom Brady shit the bed in the playoffs and Uh should he continue his obstinance when it comes to obstinance and (laughs) abstinence, both of those things, when it comes to, when it comes to writing to us. Both of which are wise. At the end of the season, we can change the bylaws and or just do away with the oopsie altogether. Uh, or we can continue to give it to Eli Manning because Eli shows up every every single. I don't know. Lamar Jackson week. and and Patrick Mahomes both are making a strong case to be the next Tom Brady as well. Oh Too much God, sports ball. Moving on. All right, sports ball, sports ball. All right, congratulations, to Tom Brady, the Tom Brady Award. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. I thought it was all right, but you all week have been telling me how bonkers it is, so I want to defer to you and let you state your case before I weigh in. Oh, yeah, well, I I actually didn't mean the episode was bonkers, but anyway, but I I do really enjoy uh, the closings in this episode. It it feels, it's a very uneven episode. Mm -hmm. I I think the C story of the Bobby Lindsay, uh, I'm well on record. I sang into the record that I don't care and I'm not interested at all. Uh, but it was only peppered in a little bit here and there. Um, I really liked both closings. I liked that Jimmy crushed it, but he had a very viable opponent. I thought that was a interestingly argued and answered a lot of my questions about like what is the law here. I thought that was that was well done. I loved the little beat with uh, George in the bag and the head. That was that was fun. Um, you know, and I, the whole Lucy thing, like, it's it's so funny. They they almost broke the fourth wall. And, like, I just arrived here, and I know I'm the new kid on the block, and nobody likes me, but, like, I hope you give me a chance. Like, that's about the character and the actress joining the, the show. Uh, if, it, if the whole episode had been on the level of Jimmy's performance, I'd give it, like, an eight and a half. Mm-hmm. Um... I think it's better than your average episode, so I'm going to give it a 7.75 spare tires. 
I think it shoots itself in the foot. I agree with you. I thought the back half was pretty great. I even thought the Christmas party resolution was pretty good. I didn't really read as much racial overtones into it as you, but I... You just look at mm-hmm. it. All the, if every one of our characters had to have a couple of the same race, and there was an Asian couple in there just for fun. However, what I, th- I think it, it shoots itself in the foot because even though I've been on record as stating I like when we continue cases week to week, we sort of have a running through line or an arc, they have to lead to a exciting finale. And while I thought this episode was great and I thought the litigation in court was great, it, it didn't warrant it taking four episodes to get there. The build, which mm. was a pretty weak build didn't quite and then they built this conflict between eugene and jimmy that seemed a little forced and unnecessary it's, you, eugene's too good yeah, to, he's fair. too good to not understand the tactic and they're too good as a team to not have discussed it it just seems weird that he would need to just in the spur of the moment do it totally fair ha- that said i think it's buoyed by a, not just a, a an oopsie award-winning performance by by michael Badaluco, but a stellar one. A really head and shoulders. When he brings it, he brings it hard. Yeah. I thought that we pushed we pushed ahead on the Bobby Lindsay relationship. And what I think is great about it, you know, even though I, you know, I, I agree with the majority of your criticism on it. You just don't care. You're not invested. But you know, it's network television, and they need a they need a they need romance. That's what it's, it's a love that's story. part of yeah, it. Yeah, sure, fair. And what's cool about it this time is that it's them. Instead of all of this happening off camera and us not know, you know, just hearing about their sort of stuff going on, here we see them both agree that this is the bad idea. We shouldn't do it. It's not professional. And then they do it anyway. At least brings some stakes to it. Even yeah, though it's not a secret. Enough. Before it was a secret. Now at least it's out in the open. Everybody saw them through the blinds. So I thought that right. was kind of clever. I. You said seven seven five. I did. I think that's a little high for me. I'm gonna say seven point five. Seven point five. All right. Seven point six two five. There you have it. Uh, I, I maybe. Think. Oh, okay. Maybe it could be something. It could be anything. Uh, okay. All right. Very good. Well, uh, I found it. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please reach out to us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com on Facebook and Instagram at outofpractice. You can go on our blog spot, which I will update, I swear, uh, outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com and uh, leave us a rating or review like our good friends on Apple Podcasts and join the jury. And uh, do me a favor, check out my album. I put an album out. Look at me. It's uh, Keith Varney Momentum, available everywhere you listen or stream to digital music. Keith's album is great. We'll play a Christmas track for you at the end of the episode. But also, let's start doing some inside jokes on the Instagram. Every week, we call out the weird placement of fans in the episode. I say it probably three times a day. So I'm going to start posting some pictures of random fans I see around the city with the hashtag Out of Practice Podcast, followed by the hashtag fan. Join me. And if you would yeah, if you would like to join our fan fans. Yes. You could hashtag fan fans. Yes. Hashtag fan fans. Hashtag fan. Hashtag out of practice podcast. 
Hashtag laser sounds. Whatever you need to do. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Validate our loneliness. (laughs) Happy 2020. (laughs) Laser sounds. Laser sounds. It's a snowy Christmas morning Another log goes on the fire Maxwell's brewing in my childhood coffee pot Mom sets out a dish While Dad turns on the light I make my Christmas wish this holy night Just get me to drunk Us about mom's affair. I-